Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Are you looking to wager on all the big games in sports? Well, man, do I have amazing news for you. Bet online, they continue to be the number one online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. And yeah, they're a partner of ours. Just head to your mobile device or go online and make your first sports bet. And hey, get this, you can use our promo code Believe 50, that's B-L-E-A-V 50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, you can find reviews and news for every league from golf to combat sports, esports, MLB, NFL, and the upcoming seasons for the NBA and the NHL. Bet online is simply the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Bet online where the game starts. Before sunrise, Burn Dairy and Deli is preparing to fuel your day with hot coffee, donuts, muffins, breakfast sandwiches, and other morning staples. For lunch, grab a giant deli sandwich made the way you like it. Pizza, wings, wraps, or a fresh salad. Plus, something to wash it down. Then pick up dinner or a sweet treat and other pantry essentials. Now you can get your Burn Dairy and Deli favorites delivered with DoorDash. All day, every day, you can count on Burn Dairy and Deli. It's all good. Hi, this is Jay Billis of ESPN, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. The ML Sports Platter is back with you all over the major platforms. Download, subscribe, rate, and review. We are brought to you by our great friends over at Camilla's Golf Club, Stumble and Monkey Brewing Company, and Chick-fil-A of Cicero and Clay. If you're in and around Central New York, make sure... You go curbside, you get the drive through you can dine in. Chick-fil-A of Cicero and Clay, they've got great breakfasts, awesome lunches, and terrific dinner options as well. And hey, chicken travels well. Leave the cooking to Chick-fil-A. You can order catering right there at cfasite.com slash clay. That's cfasite.com slash clay. And while you're there, you can check out what they're doing locally, inspiring others. Uh, a huge community group is Chick-fil-A. And look, everything on the menu it's just delicious, man. Chicken tenders and the chicken nuggets. You get the mac and cheese, the waffle fries. For breakfast, maybe it's a burrito bowl or maybe it's a breakfast sandwich uh, as well. You can get the milkshakes. You can get the cookies. You can get it uh, every single day except Sunday. Chick-fil-A, you can join the Chick-fil-A one today. Uh, make every order count. Go to your app uh, store and download the Chick-fil-A app and you'll get rewards like crazy. Their rewards program is the best I've ever seen. Chick-fil-A of Cicero and Clay, a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. And I do want to throw a quick tip of the cap thank you out there to the friends of the program, the Alonzo family, the Swan and Whitaker families, Daryl Abert and Bob Lindsley, and to our title sponsor, Stanley Law Offices. Stanley Law Offices together, they'll work to get you the maximum reward. So I have a really fun show planned here. Hope you can buckle up and catch all of it. Um, Again, download, subscribe, rate, and review where you get podcasts on your smartphone device. Uh, I'm going to first talk a bunch about Aaron Judge. I'm actually recording this on Thursday, which is an off day for the New York Yankees. They'll welcome in Baltimore as you listen to this tonight on a Friday. Um, And so uh, I just wanted to do kind of an appreciation thing with Aaron Judge, especially coming off of tying Roger Maris' 61. And I wanted to dive deep into the Triple Crown as well. I don't know why that's being downplayed. Um, And then I'm going to play an unbelievable episode from the Pandemonium podcast on the Built-in Buffalo Podcast Network. I had Ryan Leaf on, man, the uh, number two overall pick in 1998 behind Peyton Manning, uh, a guy who obviously had a great college career, ran into a ton of trouble off the field, uh, was a hardcore addict and all the rest. Now he's living the sober life. He's crushing it as an analyst and a color commentator for ESPN and uh, a bunch of other platforms as well. The Washington State grad will join us in this podcast on the uh, crossover episode. And then you'll hear from uh, Mike Catalano, the Buffalo Bills insider out of Rochester. Um, we preview the Ravens game, recap the Dolphins game, sort of the uh, short-term and long-term impact of that loss for the Bills down in Miami. So it's a really fun show, and I'll play that next on the crossover side from the Built-in Buffalo Podcast Network, the Pandemonium Podcast. So Aaron Judge it has just been simply remarkable. Right, I mean, my goodness, I, you know, it, it's hard to uh, come up with words at this particular point uh, for Aaron Judge. Uh, you know, the year that he's had, I, I've never seen probably in my lifetime anything like it. Uh, and I say that with all due respect to Barry Bonds, 
um, you know, in 2001 because Barry Bonds was using PEDs. I mean, Barry Bonds' career was lengthened because he was using steroids. And I know that there wasn't testing. I know baseball turned the blind eye. I know there were people using steroids, throwing against him. You know, who used what, when, how long. I get all that. Um, you know, and because there, were, there wasn't testing, because the MLBPA was so strong, um, you know, here we are, right? And, and baseball really simply didn't care because they were still riding the wave from Cal Ripken. They're riding the wave from Sosa McGuire. They're riding the wave of getting people back in the seats after the strike in 94. You know, chicks dig the long ball commercials, everything that was out there to get people, you know, back in the seats. And, um, but, but this season for, for, for Aaron Judge, I mean, you know, for people to say that, you know, 61 and 62 don't mean anything because it's not really the record because Bonds has it. Uh, I think you're crazy. I mean, Aaron Judge is still going for the all-time American League record. That's a big deal, you know, a big deal. Um, nobody has done it since Roger Maris, you know. Um, when you look at the years, you, you, 61 years in 1961, I mean, 60, that's six decades. That's a long time, you know, to, to equal a mark. And not only um, is this the American League record, but it's the Yankee record. So he's ahead of Babe Ruth. Ahead of Roger Maris, if he hits one more. You know, he's well ahead of guys like Lou Gehrig, Mickey Mantle, Joe DiMaggio, those kind of players. And so it, it, it's a remarkable, remarkable year. Uh, you're looking at a 10.4 war right now with seven games to play. He still might add to that. Um, the all-around player Aaron Judge is. He's been ridiculous in all facets of the game. Hits for average, hits for power. The great arm, the great glove in the outfield. Oh, by the way, playing center and right fields. And he's become a really, really, really good, <clears throat> if not great, if not elite, base runner. Um, and he's going for the freaking triple crown, man. I mean, people who are downplaying this triple crown thing are crazy. We haven't had a triple crown winner since 2012, and it was Miguel Cabrera in the American League. We've had 12 triple crowns in baseball history but 10 men have achieved the feat. And I say 10 men, 12 triple, triple crowns, because Ted Williams won it twice and Rogers Hornsby won it twice. So this is amazing stuff. Um, Aaron Judge will have the RBI uh, total. He'll have the home runs. The question will be the average. You know, Will he be able to keep the average above Xander Bogarts and Luis Arise right now of the Minnesota Twins, uh, Boston Red Sox and Minnesota Twins respectively, um, you know, and it might just very well come down to that last decimal place, right? But the triple crown's a big deal. And oh, by the way, you want to talk about length, right? You want to talk about the history of baseball? How about Joe Medwick in 1937 for the St. Louis Cardinals? That was the last time a national leaguer hit for the triple crown. Go do the quick math on that, baby. Okay? That's 85 years. 85 years. And by the way, if Judge were to win the Triple Crown, it'll be 100 years since Rogers Hornsby did it uh, for the first one in history. So a lot going on, a lot of connections. That's the beauty of baseball, connecting the numbers, connecting the players, connecting the generations, um, connecting the hallowed records. Um, Aaron Judge, as I record this, I mean, good grief, 10.4 war. He's had 552 at-bats this season, 173 hits. I mean, it's incredible. Incredible. That's the hit for contact part, right? 61 home runs, 313 batting average, 130 runs, you know, 130 RBI. He's stolen 16 bases, right? He might, have, he might get up to 20 stolen bases. And how about these numbers? OBP, 425. Slugging, 696. OPS, 1.121. OPS plus, 213. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty good. You know, he's been pretty good. And he bet on himself, you know. Uh, the Yankees foolishly went public with, um, you know, with the contract they offered him right around $213 million. I think it was about six, seven years. Um, Judge turned him down. He said, I'm going to bet on myself. And uh, not only is he betting on himself and flourishing from the home run standpoint, um, both American League and Yankee records, he's flirting with the Triple Crown. And he has showcased this season the all-around player 
he is. And that's why I think that Aaron Judge is, you know, the MVP in the American League. Um, I don't think there's any doubt about it. I don't think it's close, to be honest with you. And no disrespect to Shohei Otani. I mean, Shohei Otani is doing stuff that we've we've never never you know we've never seen before. Um, people have brought up Babe Ruth. They brought up you know, well, he was a hitter. He was a pitcher. You know, yeah, but not not at the same time like Shohei. I mean, he was a pitcher for the Red Sox. Probably could have been a Hall of Fame pitcher. He was ninety four and eighteen as a pitcher. Um, pitched a few games once he got traded to the Yankees. But man, alive! You've got to look at Aaron Judge. And his numbers, he's a full 1.2 better than Shohei in the war compartment. He has 21 more hits than Shohei Otani. He has 17, excuse me, 27 home runs more than Shohei Otani. He's batting 30 points better than Shohei Otani. His OBP slugging and OPS and OPS plus all destroy Shohei Otani. And I know, I know, I know. The people who love Shohei, the people who are defending Shohei are saying, yeah, but Aaron Judge doesn't pitch. And I get that. I do. I get that. Um, You know, Shohei has been really, really good again this year, you know. Um, You know, but he's he's been uh, probably, um, I want to say, better from a uh, hitting standpoint this year. Uh, than than he was last year, I I, I would I would venture to say right uh, the pitching has been equal or better. He was nine and two last year, um, three point one eight ERA, one hundred thirty innings pitched. He did strike out one fifty six. He got two hundred three strikeouts this year, um, one hundred fifty three innings pitched. Been a little bit more durable, and he's fourteen and eight. I mean, he's in the conversation for the Cy Young. And if you go that direction, you could be like, well, yeah, he's in the conversation because he also has to hit. And he's dominating like a lot of the other pitchers, you know, the Verlanders and, and the rest of them. But, um, you know, I would certainly give the, the Cy Young to Justin Verlander. I think it's his year there, especially with the comeback, the renaissance and all that. Um, but Shohei, look, he's he's a marvel. He's a unicorn. He's an amazing player. You know, we've never seen anything like it. And he's had a better offensive year, you know, this year certainly. Um, you know, maybe on the, on the overall, well, eh, 152 hits to 138. Home run wise, he's got twelve less. He's got uh, twenty five less. Uh, I don't, it's hard to say twenty five less RBI. It's kind of hard where you want to split the numbers down. Um, you know, batting average wise, he's 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 up. You know, um, OBP down, slugging down, OPS down, OPS plus down. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe you could make the argument that he's better the better pitcher this year. You know, I think in certain spots he's been the better hitter, but in 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 most spots now really combing it over, probably you know, the pitching uh, looks a little bit better than last year compared to the hitting. But you know what? Like Shohei won it last year. Um there wasn't anybody really in the conversation compared to Shohei last year. And I think because of Aaron Judge and his durability, his production, the complete player he is, um you know, showcasing the all-around uh, just production and, and what he's done, you know, pressure cooker in New York division winner. Uh, you got to come out and perform all the time. You've got the connections to history. You got your freaking, you got, you got Roger Maris's freaking son and and your mom sitting behind home plate every game waiting for you to get this thing done. You've got sellout crowds in New York, 35,000 people minimum in Toronto. I mean, come on, there, there's just no comparison this year as far as the platform, the production, um, you know, with Aaron Judge and Shohei Otani. There's there's just not. I think if Aaron Judge had maybe like 40, 45-ish home runs and like 110 RBI, we could definitely have a conversation and a coin flip about who is the MVP of, of the American League at that particular point. But I don't think that it should go to anyone else. I think that it, this is Aaron Judge's year. Um, we'll see what he gets paid in the offseason, whether it's with the Yankees or somebody else, because... Boy, I'll tell you what, this dude will get paid. I mean, I don't know where he's going to get paid, but when you look at this production, when you look at what he's brought to the table, when you look at how he handles himself on and off the field, his leadership, uh, the way he carries himself uh, after games, represents a franchise the best. Um, you know, I, I the guy's going to get a lot of money, and I don't know if that's the Giants. I don't know if that's the Mets. I don't know if that the Red Sox would you know pony up for that. I, I doubt that they would give Judge eight to 10 years and like 375 considering 
They didn't give a, give a blank check to Mookie Betts. Um, I question whether they're going to sign Devers and Bogarts long term. Um, you know, the Giants are are a place. It, it just makes a lot of sense for Aaron Judge to get a huge contract from them. I understand that a lot of people want to believe. Well, he grew up in Linden, California. He's a California kid. He got remember that means nothing in today's day and age. You you don't sit there and go, oh, I want to go home. You know, this isn't Ken Griffey Jr. going to Cincinnati type of stuff. Aaron Judge can fly wherever he wants around the world. Aaron Judge can have a home in California and play in New York City and have an apartment on the Upper East Side. He can be in the Trump Towers, even wherever he wants. The guy's going to make $325 to $350 million after this year, and he's going to get that money. It's going to be guaranteed. He's going to sign a long-term deal. I just don't know where it's going to be. And... I'm really hoping that the Yankees are also careful with this guy. Um, I know this is an appreciation podcast, but this should also be duly noted. Aaron Judge, for as amazing as he has been this year, and trust me, it has been a treat and a joy to watch him play baseball. He's been healthy half of his career, and he's been unhealthy the other half of his career. He's missed a ton of games. Um, He was durable this year. He was very durable last year, 14 games missed. Uh, changed up his workout program a little bit, more flexibility, way less weight training, um, a lot more cardio, a lot of, of stretching and, and, and enhanced flexibility things with the medical team and, and the fitness team with the Yankees. So I, I credit him there. He's made an adjustment. But can he keep the health going? 6'7", 280 80 pounds, you know. Um, he's also 30 years old, right? Um, he's going to turn 31 at the start of basically the start of next season. Uh, April 26th, so you'll be a month into the baseball season, and he'll turn, uh, you know, he'll turn 31. That's a danger zone for giving guys, you know, an eight, nine, ten-year contract. So the Yankees need to be careful. I mean, this guy did miss. You know, I mean, look, 2017, he was ridiculous as well. I thought he should have won the MVP that year and Rookie of the Year. As it turns out, he only won Rookie of the Year. Uh, Jose Altuve, of course, winning the MVP and then cheating during the postseason uh, was a bad look for him. Aaron Judge should have won it. I mean, he was a 422. OBP, which is three points off of his OBP right now as I record this. His slugging was uh, was was only 70, what is that, 70, uh, 69 points less. His OPS uh, was 1.049, it's 1.121 this year. You know, his OPS plus was 171 that year, 213 right now. You know, he had 154 hits, 128 runs scored, hit 52 home runs, 114 RBI. I mean, he was unconscious that year. And he won Rookie of the Year, and like I said, he should have won MVP. So, but after that, Aaron Judge played in 112 games. He missed 50 in 2018. He missed 60 in 2019. You know, he only played in 28 games in 2020. I know it was a 60-game season, but he missed half the year. I mean, playing in 28 games, he missed 32 games. If that's an 162-game season, you're only playing 80. So... A lot to look at, a lot to break down, but what I know is that Aaron Judge has had a magical season, a season that for me in my lifetime I probably have never seen before, and I've lived 37 years as a baseball fan, I'm 42 years old of age right now, will be 43 in December, and I've lived through some icons. I've lived through Cal Ripken Jr., Barry Bonds, Tony Gwynn, you know, I've lived through Ken Griffey Jr., I lived through Derek Jeter, you know, I've lived through the Mike Piazzas. You know, I've lived through, uh, you know, a lot of the amazing, amazing, um, you know, careers out there and just bonafide superstars. But for a hitter, I don't know. I don't know as if I've seen this. You know, I've seen some amazing pitching outings, you know, Pedro Martinez, Randy Johnson. Uh, the list goes on and on. But as far as this is concerned, wow. You know, and I've seen Hall of Fame um, accomplishments and players, Ricky Henderson, Wade Boggs, um, Sandberg. I mean, the list goes on and on. I've seen a lot of these guys, Chipper Jones, going to the Hall of Fame now, and I've covered those inductions. Um, but I, I, I don't think single season-wise I've, I've ever seen anything like this. And trust me, I hope Aaron Judge stays a Yankee his whole career. I hope they pony up at least the respectable amount of money. I don't know about the years. Uh, to me, right now, it makes a little bit of sense to give him 6 and 350 with a seventh-year option with incentives. Um I mean, if you're going to do that, and you're Aaron Judge, you're you're, you're making you know a lot of money, and that's well, maybe not six and three fifty. That's fifty eight million a year. 
maybe seven and three fifty. All right, let's try that. That's fifty million a year. Maybe you give them eight and three fifty. Right? I just man, 50, 50 million a year seems like a lot. Um, three fifty divided by eight is forty three point seven five. I mean, maybe that's the number. And then you're not getting into ten year, you know, category um, territory with with him. And he's thirty nine. Uh, 38-39 by the time he ends the contract. So uh, it'll be fascinating to watch. The Giants will be players. I don't think the Dodgers will be as much of a player in this one. I mean, they've brought in Freeman. They brought in Betts. They brought in, you know, Trevor Bauer hasn't worked out. Um, you know, they have to sign some people upcoming, some of their farm kids. I don't know as if they'll try to make a run at Aaron Judge, but you can't count the Dodgers out of anything, right? You just can't. They got a bunch of MVPs on the team already. They got a bunch of class act players. Aaron Judge would just fit right into that model. Uh, I think the Giants will be players. Will the Cubs be players? Uh, the Mets could be kind of having an eye on it. Um, so there's some teams to watch for sure. But hitting for average, hitting for power, running the bases as a very good base runner, the arm, the glove, two different positions, center field and right field, um, the way he handles himself on and off the field, uh, American League record for home runs, Yankee record for home runs. He's tied them both. And, um, you know, he needs one more to to go into the record books all by himself. And it's just been an absolute treat to watch him, to listen to him talk about team wins first. Um, you know, running around the bases when he hit 60 and 61 the same way when he hit 1 and 2 uh, for the most part. I mean, a little bit of an extra jump for 61, but it was nothing flamboyant. It was nothing incredible. Uh, he did a lot of the same stuff that he's done all year. And I love that about Aaron Judge. Uh, the ML Sports Platter is brought to you by our great friends over at Welch & Company Jewelers, the Syracuse Fitness Store, and Rosie's Corner. Oh, man, Rosie's. I can't wait to go there later today. Get the Lunas, get the mac and cheese. It's a fish Friday. Pizza wing combinations for any occasion over at Rosie's Corner. Terrific, terrific place to go eat if you're in and around Central New York. Route 11 in Brewerton in front of the Brewerton Bridge, Rosie's Corner on Instagram and Facebook. And, of course, download the Slice app as well. You can order right from there. Get your Rosie's Corner. Man, try the Meatball Bomber. Try the Stuffed Shells, the Classic American Burger. And, of course, the Garlic Parm Wings and the Famous Gold Fever Wings as well. Tip of the cap, thank you to Stumble and Monkey Brewing Company, Stanley Law Offices, and our awesome friends at Prestwick Golf. Make sure to go get your golf clubs re-gripped this offseason with Prestwick Golf. My man Ed and his team are just doing a great, great job. Court Street in the Cuse. Prestwick Golf is the official golf regrip store of the ML Sports Platter. Coming up next, you're going to love this stuff. Ryan Leaf chats what he sees when he watches Josh Allen. The challenges Josh Allen had in Miami. Um, so many hurdles to jump over. Uh, he gets into some NFL storylines, some college storylines, and then Mike Catalano, my good pal from Rochester, uh, will talk all things Buffalo Bills football. Recapping the Miami game, previewing the Baltimore game, getting into the fact that the Bills have been brutal in close games the last two years. How big of a concern is that? All of that upcoming on the Pandemonium Podcast, on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. We'll play that crossover episode next on the ML Sports Platter. Celebrate your whale of a dad with a fudgy the whale ice cream cake from the locally owned and operated Carvel of North Syracuse. Everything at Carvel of North Syracuse is made fresh, so no matter what kind of treat or design your dad wants, they make it happen. Your dad deserves a tasty treat this Father's Day. Soft serve ice cream, milkshakes, sundaes, shakes, and more. America's favorite since 1934. Carvel. Open seven days a week. Brewerton Road in North Syracuse. Stop in today Fudge the Whale is waiting for you. It is Bedlam! It is Pandemonium! It is Fandemonium! It is fantastic! It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to Pandemonium with Mike Lindsley on the Buffalo Bills, exclusively on the Built to Buffalo Podcast Network. Bills Mafia, what's going on? Mike Lindsley here with the Pandemonium Podcast, as you heard in the intro, and we have got a tremendous show for you. We are going to first talk to football great and college football analysts and NFL analysts 
Ryan Leaf in terms of what he sees in Josh Allen right now, the game against Miami, hurdles and all the rest. And then we're going to chat some more Buffalo Bills football, of course, with Mike Catalana, my friend from 13 Wham and Buffalo Plus YouTube, and uh, get his breakdown of the Miami game, a preview of the Ravens game, uh, the injuries, everything in between that's going on in Bills land right now. But uh, let's waste no more time. Second pick in the 1998 draft, and of course, had a tremendous career at Washington State. Played the NFL for the Chargers, Bucks, Cowboys, and Seahawks, and now is doing an amazing, amazing job covering the game of football, both on the collegiate level and the pro level. And you can, of course, follow him on Twitter. He's a must-follow, at Ryan D. Leaf. Ryan, thank you so much for a few minutes here, and uh, how's everything going? I'm good. I'm good. You know, exciting times. Football season's uh, in full full force. Uh, I'm loving that every weekend. So, yeah, busy, but, but loving it. Yeah, it's there's just nothing like football in this country right now. This is a Buffalo Bills podcast, and the Bills had a tough game against the Dolphins, obviously, with so many things working against them. But number 17, the quarterback, almost won it on his own. You being a former quarterback, you you seeing the position as well as you do now as an analyst, how, just how hard was that job for Josh Allen in Miami? Well, it's incredibly hard. I mean, defense is a huge part of this, right? And, and, and the expectations are so high for this team, right? They're expected to win the Super Bowl this year. And so to go out and do it week in, week out, um, you know, I'm worried a little bit though that that he's going to be a little he's going to be overwhelmed. He hasn't seemed to be that way as of yet, but but things are going to get tougher, right? You're going to be without more players. Big part of 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 staying lucky is is keeping guys healthy, and he needs that defense to be the best possible version of, of Josh Allen, right? Uh, if I were uh, a Bills fan, I would be a little concerned about their lack of, of red zone efficiency. In this game, I mean, 90 plays run versus 39, and they were only able to uh, essentially generate 17 points on the offensive side of the football. That's 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 something that you probably have to be concerned about. But uh, I don't think you have to be concerned about Josh Allen at any point along the way, other than maybe getting you know overwhelmed because he's being used too much to try to win games for this football team. What what do you see? I mean, if you had to describe this guy playing quarterback for the Buffalo Bills to somebody who was like new to football, they were foreign to the game. How would you describe Josh Allen, the player? Well, my wife does this all the time. She, she's a huge Josh Allen fan. And this is how she explains Josh Allen to people that don't know. She says, he's crazy. He's just nuts. He just does everything. And finally this Bill's teammates said, Oh, this dude's just crazy. Let's get on board. That's how she explains it. And, and it makes a lot of sense. Like, the dude will do anything. He'll stiff arm a linebacker. He'll run through a, a, a tackler. He'll he'll drop back and sit in the pocket and throw 50-yard touchdown passes. I mean, the guy does everything. And um, I think the first time she ever really sat down and watched him was in the matchup against the Houston Texans in that playoff game where he was just kind of, you know, all over the place. You know, take you had to take the good with the bad when it came to Josh Allen. And I think everybody's just accepted this dude's crazy. Uh, he's going to do everything he can to win a football game. So we're getting on that train with him. How hard is it in a game, though, when, you know, a defender, you know, leaps up and kicks you where the sun doesn't shine. You've got a situation going on with the heat and humidity. You're down a bunch. There's a lot of John going on out there overall. Um, how hard is it to not, you know, slap back and hit back and, 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 you know, he was losing his composure a little bit here and there. And some people, you know, call him sugar high Josh when he plays, not from, uh, you know, uh, getting pissed at the other side, but just, you know, his, when he used to overthrow people all the time, right before he had the better control. Now, how hard is all of that? The elements when you're playing quarterback, when people are kind of getting in your grill and there's some dirty moves going on and all that, is, is it kind of tough to contain? And when, when, when are you able to contain it? Is there, is there a moment? Well, you're you know, you're speaking to a guy that really wore his emotions on his sleeve. Sure, when he played, and, and and I I was like that, and it, it worked for it worked for me for a time, and and then it didn't. Right, mm-hmm. uh, when you're at the highest level of competition, there has to be some composure to you. I, I think he's found a, a, a good balance. Okay. I do. He wouldn't be able to be as successful as he's become if he hasn't uh, found a balance uh, with that. I mean, 
hey, just look at his his, his offensive coordinator, his quarterback coach, right? I mean, that guy's hot-headed too. Those two are just – we saw an example of that this week. I loved it. I, you know, I, you don't want to see that played out publicly for people to see necessarily. But I like how invested he, he is. And that's how Josh Allen is. He expects greatness from everybody around him. And that's what you need in a leader, especially at the quarterback position. So I think he's found a, a, a balance for that. And, and sometimes people may not see it, but I think those in the organization and probably those who follow him really closely see that he's found a very, very good um, acceptance of, of, of that medium ground that has made him great. NFL and college football analyst Ryan Leaf with us. The football grade, of course, uh, two overall uh, pick in, in the 98 draft. Uh, just a wonderful career at Washington State. And I wanted to just end the show, uh, or the interview, I should say, with you in terms of this team. And, and I'll get your NFL and college storylines, too, after this, and, and then we'll run. But, hey, 3-1, and one, you know what? The close game to Oregon. I know it was a tough way it played out at the end. But, you know, you got three wins on the year. You're 3-1 and one overall. A win over Wisconsin out of conference. You, you got to be pretty happy with that, right? Uh, you want to be undefeated. <laughs> we, we we should be we should be four zero. Should you're, be. You're up twelve. You're up twelve points with six minutes to go. You have to find a way to put your put the foot down on the neck there. That's that's the difference uh, uh, with this team right now. They're young. They have a young head coach. I felt like they got over that a little bit with the how they finished the game against Wisconsin. But as we're seeing, Wisconsin's not that that good of a football team this year. Oregon is. When you got a team on the ropes like that with a chance to go to four and zero and really, you know, make a statement, you got to do it. So there's a there's a lot of disappointment in the in the Leaf household uh, around my Cougs right now. I know as a coaching staff and as a team, you have to get back to work. And now you got a Cal team coming in that just ran for 250 plus yards. So it's important to refocus. But I, you know, this happened Saturday and I, I just finished my Pac 12 radio show on Sirius XM. And I, I didn't really have a coherent uh, way to analyze it because I'm still pretty emotionally attached to that, that that loss from Saturday afternoon. Well, still some time to uh, redeem themselves. They've got three uh, games against top 15 teams, Washington at the end of the year, Utah, and USC as well. Uh, just in the last maybe 90 seconds or so that I have with you, Ryan, um, wherever you want to take this, you know, some college football storylines and uh, some NFL storylines that are kind of grabbing your attention. Well, I, I think that the conversation around the gap between one Georgia and everybody else, you know, how wide is that? I, I felt before this weekend, it was pretty significant. Uh, you know, they didn't, they didn't play incredibly in, in particularly well against uh, Kent state this weekend. I have them next week against Auburn. So I'll get to see them in person. But, you know, I, I think that with the idea of, of college football expansion and going to 12 teams, I, I think people are really going to take a, a good look at what that would look like this year. And I think that's the bigger conversation and all this. Also, the NIL concept. Um, I, I think a lot of people thought the rich getting richer would happen with the NIL, and, and I honestly think there's going to it's going to make for more parity in college football. Mm-hmm. I think that teams that normally wouldn't maybe get a five star guy are more likely to so to get one uh, simply because instead of being you know another big fish in a in a relatively um, you know, big pond, let's say at Alabama, maybe my alma mater like Washington State is able to sneak in there and steal a five-star guy because uh, he'll be the only fish in that small pond uh, in, in Pullman, right? He may get all the NIL opportunities and things like that. So I think teams may get some players that normally wouldn't, and the parity in college football may kind of start to even out a little bit more when it's all said and done. ESPN College Football Game Analyst, Sirius XM College Football and NFL Radio doing a great job. Westwood uh, One Sports, uh, Sunfair, and of course a brand ambassador for Points Bet USA. He is all over the place doing it all, covering college ball and the NFL. He is Ryan Leaf, at Ryan D. Leaf on Twitter. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on. It means a lot, and uh, hey, continued success. You're really, really doing a great job. You bet, Mike. Appreciate it. Keep up the good work yourself. Just a loaded pandemonium podcast, and we bring on our second guest of the program. He's crushing it, covering the Buffalo Bills. Has done so for decades out in the great city uh, of Rochester. Had an opportunity 
uh, to uh, run into him uh, at the Monday night game in Buffalo with the Titans and the Bills. 13 Wham and Buffalo Plus YouTube sports director. You can go get him on Twitter at Mike Catalana. Mikey, thank you for a few minutes here, pal. How are you? Anytime, Mike. How are you? I'm great. Uh, it was good to see you there uh, Monday night football against the Titans. And obviously this past weekend was just a, a brutally difficult game for the Bills. They lose really close and had their chances, as we know. What does this loss to Miami, from your standpoint, mean short-term, and what does it mean long-term? Well, short-term, there's problems. And I think it goes back to the Titans game, obviously. This team is physically beaten up between the injuries and then the guys getting knocked out due to the heat. Uh, I've never seen anything like that. So you combine from Monday night, the short week, into what we saw down there on Sunday. And in the short term, they're hurting. I mean, they got guys out. They got guys who aren't 100%. And there were moments out there where I felt like Josh Allen was on the field in the third or fourth preseason game uh, because it looked like that. You know, there were so many changes. So that's the short term. It's just they got to get healthy. And it's not something they've really dealt with over the last few years. They've been a very healthy team. And in the long term, it just delays the inevitable. They're a better team than the Dolphins. They will win the division, you know, barring something really major. And I think Miami's got a lot going for them. It's a nice team. They're pretty good. Um, but they're not better than the Bills. Uh, and they got them, and they deserve the win. But the Bills outplayed them. They really hurt themselves in that game. And they still had a chance to win it at the end and, and should have. So... That's my short-term and uh, long-term look at what that game meant. You know, in, in a game like that, too, Mike, one thing goes your way, you know, you, you win the game. I mean, you can go from the the Tyler Bass miss to the Gabe Davis play in the end zone to um, McKenzie getting out of bounds in the end uh, to Allen hitting McKenzie wide open in the corner. We still don't know if his wrist was dinged. Um, there, there's just so many plays that happen in a game. And when it's yep. close like this, one that goes your way, you know, you get the win. What what play or sequence do you think ultimately cost the Bills the victory? Well, I mean, it, the one with McKenzie is right there. Josh makes that throw 98 and a half out of 100, and he just threw it into the ground. I don't know if he stepped funny, was the wrist, whatever it was. But I go back earlier than that. If Milano catches that ball, he walks go. in the end zone, yep. and I think it's ball game. Yep. And, he, and, you know, it's funny. He had a pick six, and he's dropped two of them. One mm -hmm. was definitely a pick and might have been a pick six, and this one is a walk-in touchdown because he just, Tua did not see him at all. And he and you see Milano take his step, and then he's right there. He makes that play. He walks in the end zone. It's what? At that point, they would have been up by 11, and they roll to the win, I think. So I'm, I'm simplifying a little bit, but I didn't. You know, I saw the way Miami played, and I, I got to give them credit. Like, that's that's the game the Bills never won against the Patriots when Brady was there. You know, that's that one where they got close, but they never figured out a way to beat them. And Miami figured out a way. Whatever it was, you know, whatever happened in that game, they figured out a way. So give them credit for that. But um, the Bills, like you, you mentioned, all those plays, every one of them changes the game. And honestly, I think... He hurt the Bills because while they only needed a field goal at the end and they could have gotten there, if you look at it, if they got a punt from the one-yard line and, and if they, excuse me, if they punt it from the one-yard line and get it out, I think the Bills get the ball at about the 45. And I know they need a touchdown, but I think Allen still would have had a minute and change. And I think he could have gotten them there. Instead, the McKenzie one, I talked to him after the game, and I'm like, what were you doing? He goes, I had the guy on my hip, and I thought I could get out of bounds. And then all of a sudden he said, I didn't see Howard. And I don't know, you know, if he takes a knee there, if he just drops to the ground, sure, they could probably get the clock stopped. But, I mean, now we're talking about, I mean, you give Bass a chance, but now you're talking about a 60-some-odd-yard field goal. He did pick up, what did you think, he picked up another five yards before he got tackled. Yeah. It still would have been a long one, but again, all those things, I know they practiced them and they would have liked to have executed them better, but um, <laughs> I think it's just going to be one of those games we look back on and say the better team didn't win. They eventually proved they're the better team. 
Talking some Bills football here on the Pandemonium Podcast with my guy Mike Catalana. Get him on Twitter, at Mike Catalana. Subscribe to the terrific Buffalo Plus show on YouTube. And he's, of course, a sports director for that and 13 Wham! out in the great city of Rochester. What is the game plan this week against Lamar Jackson? I mean, we know the Bills have had some success in the past against him. They've used Isaiah McKenzie as sort of like, you know, Lamar Jackson himself uh, as, as kind of like the, you know, uh, the, you know, to get used to him, the speed, the angles, yeah. the direction. Lamar right now is probably, if if you gave an MVP after three weeks, we don't do that. But if you did, it might be Lamar Jackson. He's going head-to-head against another guy in Josh Allen who's an MVP candidate. What is the approach defensively with Lamar and also – Obviously, Mike, you alluded to it at the beginning of the podcast, where uh, of the interview rather, that <laughs> this team is so beaten up, you have to wonder how the injuries will impact what kind of a scheme and, and how they kind of go after this uh, this guy. Yeah, you know, there's that next man up theory until there's not another man, <laughs> and it gets to that point. Uh, look, they'll say what they want in the scheme. I think what you really are trying to do, and what Miami did not do against them, and yet they still ended up beating him, is try to limit or eliminate the massive plays i mean he you know josh is a great runner he ain't going 75 for a touchdown lamar can go 75 like and we've seen him do it and he is an excellent deep passer he's got a couple of guys now that can run uh and you know he and he's got his tight end so he's got guys but he can make some big big plays i think you got to make him work a little bit he's gonna move and the truth is, I think you outscore the Ravens. I think that's not their defensive game plan, but that's why I say do your best to limit the quick strike scores that he's able to do. That's something the Bills have done in the past where they just don't give up big plays. They really, they didn't really give them up in this game except the one down the middle of Waddle is a big play. Um, but they, they got to score. That Ravens defense is a bit of a sieve. I mean, they, they've got some issues in the secondary. They have had virtually no pass rush. So, you know, I, I think it's I, the game we were sort of thinking was going to happen last week for the high-scoring game. I think we see it this week. I think Lamar and Allen make plays up and down the field in this one. How concerned are you that they've only won one, you know, game since 2020 by one one score or less? I mean, they, they can't seem to finish and close – and, and do things that championship teams do, Mike? You know, I've heard some guys try to rationalize it. I don't think it's end-all, be-all, because it's happened in different ways in each game. Like, you know, there's been a few games where Josh has done everything. I think back to Tampa last year, where they had a rough first half, and he was phenomenal in the second half. Then they lose on the Brady big play in overtime. Defense, who had played well in the second half, couldn't get it done in overtime. Obviously, you look at the Kansas City game, which was, again, the defense just couldn't get a stop when they needed. Not even close. Couldn't keep them out of the end zone when they needed. Um, you go back to the Tennessee game, which it goes down to Josh at the end on the fourth down, and he doesn't make it. But keep in mind, that defense fell apart in the second mm-hmm. half. And, and so, to me, it's getting defensive stops late in the game. And, you know, I thought the defense – this game is such an aberration, the Miami one, but I thought the defense made stops. What what concerns me is I think the way they play offense, and they're so Josh-centric that a little bit of the bread and butter isn't there when you need it in some moments. That would be the only thing. I would look and say, like, what are they? You want to get the ball to Diggs. You know, you want to get the ball um, in somebody else's hands to help Josh out. Because ultimately, in certain circumstances, if you're watching the Bills late in the game and it's fourth and three and you need four yards, you're thinking, I need Josh Allen to run for the first down. I think that's a thought that goes into a lot of people's heads. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes it's that. So that's why I'm saying is it's not one thing. The kicker fails or the offense can't get it done or the defense. I think it's been a combination of things, but I would say honestly, it is a bit of a concern because it's it's happened. There's my dog going. It's happened, you know, in a multiple games. And sorry about that. That's all right. Keep it coming. It's good podcast, you know. Yeah, I'm going to get away from here. 
um, it's happened in multiple games and, and it's a real thing. So, you know, again, I don't want to rationalize and say, no, that it doesn't mean anything. Uh, cause I want to see it. I thought we were going to see it, you know, Sunday, they were right there at the goal line and didn't come through. So I think it's an issue. It's not as big as some people make it, but I don't dismiss it. In the final minute I have left with you. Is it right now just a case of, you know what, and I know I, I know that coaches and players don't think this way, but we certainly do and fans certainly do. And whether we all matter or don't matter or something in between, whatever, we all think like this. We look at schedules. We kind of play hypotheticals. We're, we're yeah. thinking, okay, maybe this is the record at this point, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what? The Bills have a bye week early now, which is actually a really good thing considering the roster and how banged up they are. But is it pretty much in your mind, Mike, like me, where I just say, you know what, go four and two now, you know, go four and two into the bye week, get that rest, Packers come in, then you can go on a run with the schedule as well, you know, split with KC and Baltimore and beat Pittsburgh and and move on. Yeah, I mean, look, when you look in hindsight, this is the way I always look at games, right? I always say to myself, how do they look when it happens? And then in hindsight, as it gets farther back in the rearview mirror, Mm -hmm. And some games hurt you long-term, like that Jacksonville game, because a year ago, I mean, come on, how did they lose to Jacksonville? But it hurt them for the home field advantage, right, where they, they could have had that game at home. Um, I look at this and said, if you told Sean McDermott right now, you're, let's just say, 6-2 and two after eight games, I mean, he's never going to admit it to us. They would take it in a heartbeat, you know, mm-hmm. to look forward, 5-2, and two, whatever the number ends up being. And being, like you said, four and two and then get that break. And then maybe that's when Trey White comes back, you know, and what they do and get other guys healthy. I think they would take it. It's, it's a long-term season. Um, I had them, what, 13 and four on the year. Uh, it's a long year. When you think about that, I'm saying to you, 17 games, this Dolphins game is going to be way in the rearview mirror. It's not even like, and I compared the loss to the Patriots game last year because it was crazy weather and the Patriots left thinking they might be the better team and their quarterback was good. And, you know, they got exposed. I I think the Dolphins are better than them. And that game was in December, but sometimes that game in that moment, you're like, what happened? And the bills turned that around within a month. They've got a whole season to do it. I still think they have the best roster in the AFC. They have the best quarterback. They have a lot going for them. I know everybody's bummed about, Bills fans bummed about what happened on Sunday in Miami, but I think in the long run, you're right. You get through these few games, get healthier, get to that bye week, and then go on a run. Yep, and get Trey White back. Mike Catalana is, uh, of course, a terrific Buffalo Bills insider and uh, sports director for Buffalo Plus YouTube. Make sure you go subscribe to that wonderful show. And 13 Wham! out in the awesome city of Rochester on Twitter at Mike Catalana. Mike, you are the best. Thank you so much, and uh, have a great rest of the week, my friend. All right, anytime, Mike. I'm going to share a few thoughts here in the final minutes of the podcast on the game in Miami and kind of look ahead to the Ravens here. Um, you know, first and foremost, obviously the challenges were there, right? I mean, we we all know. The heat and humidity, the Bills didn't have the sideline uh, that was protected. Um, you know, Miami obviously plays you know, to, to their home field advantage in that way. We've seen that before in sports for 100 years. Uh, Red Arback used to turn on the, uh, turn up the heat in the, in the old Boston Garden in the away locker room, and he'd have, you know, air conditioned for the Celtics. Um, you know, so, so all these things happen in sports. Think, things are difficult. The Bills injuries, I mean, you just cannot, sometimes you just can't overcome some of them. Um, you know, Ed Oliver being out, Poyer being out, Micah Hyde out and out for the year. Um, you know, there were guys dropping like flies from the heat and humidity. The offensive line was all banged up all over the place. Um, you know, <laughs> I mean, it, they had a lot, you know, the ground game again was horrific. Uh, so that didn't help Josh Allen as well. However, however, the Bills really should have won this game. Um, and, and I hate the whole shoulda, coulda, woulda stuff afterwards. And I know that the referees weren't great either. There was a questionable call on Jaquan Johnson. I thought Gabe Davis caught the ball in the end zone, but apparently I'm, I'm wrong on that. But, man, I've seen it a million times. It looked like he had quick control and two feet down. I, you know, the defender comes in, bats it away. Okay, whatever. It just it looked like a catch to me and on replay a lot. I, without, you know, knowing which frame to freeze it in, it, it just it looked kind of like a catch. Um, there was just awful officiating in this game. Um, you know, the Dolphins didn't get called for really any 
of their dirty plays that happened during the entire game. I know Allen Loss is cool in terms of you know shoving the, the helmet down on Ingram and getting mad at him, um, but Ingram came in and you know and, and, and basically Swift kicked him right in the nuts. I mean, you could like you got to call that stuff. What about the Dawson Knox play where the helmet to helmet happened? They didn't call that. That was blatant and right in front of the officials. So. The, the fishing was brutal. It wasn't the reason why the Bills lost the game, but it was kind of like, man, you know, jeez, you know, you, can you get one or two of those, you know, a game? I mean, my God, out of all of them. Um, this game was frustrating because, you know, again, it's a close game. It's a it's a one-score game or less, and the Bills haven't won a, a, a one-score game in, you know, in two years. And they've had trouble finishing. I'm not even going to go down the road the rabbit hole again with what happened in Kansas City last year uh, in the postseason. Uh, they've lost a lot of close games. This Bills team, it seems as though they just kind of know how to win one way, and that's blowing you out. Could be dangerous down the road. Um, I'm not going to overreact a ton right now because they only lost by two against Miami and, and had a million shots to win it. Um, but but it, if it keeps happening here the next you know four to six weeks, we're gonna we're gonna have to talk about it more. Um, Josh Allen was simply incredible in this football game. I know he missed the throw, um, you know, late to McKenzie in the end zone. He makes that, as Mike Catalana said, 98 and a half times out of a hundred. Um, you know, was it the wrist being dinged up? I don't know. Was it something else? Concentration? I, you know, I don't know. Was he fatigued? I don't know. Um, but I, I, what I do know is this guy went for 42 of 63 for 400 yards and had a QBR of 60.4 and a rating of 94.7 with zero ground game and all those challenges and the offensive line completely and utterly just ruined uh, in this game. Mainly Mitch Morris being out at center really hurt them in this game. Van Roten had that, you know, just a really, really rough game. And uh, as we know, at the end of the first half, uh, he goes to snap the ball, and, and it, it's not a clean snap. It kind of goes up uh, Allen's leg, drops to the ground. Allen then can't not, he can't pick it up and then spike it because then that becomes an intentional grounding penalty because the ball already hit the ground. It can't hit it twice off the quarterback's hands from a snap. Um, you know, so he couldn't do that, so he flung it out to the side to Diggs to try to catch the Dolphins off guard. It was not a planned play. It was just how the ball bounced uh, Van Roten to Allen. It was just a bad snap. So Allen had really a, a brutal offensive line for the most part outside of Deion Dawkins, um, you know, on the left side and, and, and a little bit of Saffold there, um, you know, but, but Allen was sim- simply sensational. I mean, he almost willed him to win uh, to the victory by himself. Uh, eight carries, 47 yards uh, on the ground as well. He was the leading rusher for this Bills team. And, um, you know, the Bills have really got to figure out, you know, a, a way to run the ball at least a little bit more. Um, you know, and then you look at the sharing of the football. I mean, Singletary was a security blanket. He caught uh, 9 for 78 in a touchdown. McKenzie, 7 for 76 in a touchdown. Diggs, 7 for 74. Gabe Davis, 3 for 37. James Cook, 4 for 37. Knox, 4 for 25. Gilliam, 2 for 22. Uh, Quentin Morris, 2 for 22. Jake Kumaro, 2 for 14. You know, so a lot of guys got in it. Jamison Crowder, 1 catch, 9 yards. And Zach Moss, 1 for 6. Um, so a lot of guys got involved. Um the Bills, gosh, I mean, they, they they got the butt punt, right, with the safety, and they still got the ball back. It was a hell of a punt by their punter uh, to get it all the way down the field, but the Bills still had a chance then to drive it down. And, um, you know, the, the, the horrible holding call by Questenberry, I mean, my God, he got blown up like crazy. And, uh, you know, it's just the way the cookie crumbles. And, um, you know, the Bills get that penalty. It becomes more of a field, more of a challenge. Um, Allen ends up getting up there, throws it to McKenzie and he's got a guy kind of chasing after him behind. He's at an angle. They're not motioning for him to get to the sideline. They don't have any more timeouts and McKenzie didn't get out of bounds and he just kind of went down and then the bills couldn't spike it. Um, from there, it would have been, I think about a 52 or 53 yard field goal, uh, for Tyler Bass, maybe a little bit longer. Um, but just was a difficult game. You know, it was a difficult game. A lot of challenges, the heat and humidity, uh, all the injuries, um, guys dropping like flies from the heat and humidity. Uh, it was a physical game. Miami came at Buffalo big time. Uh, when they blitz Josh Allen, mostly Josh Allen can break you down and dissect you. But because the Dolphins kept coming and coming and coming and coming and not giving up on that game plan, eventually they had uh, some cracks on the Bills side. Devin Singletary missing a block. Allen fumbles the ball. Boom. Basically gives a free touchdown to the Dolphins. And oh, by the way, Shortly after that, you look, you thought maybe, hey, the Bills have a stop here. 
they jump off sides. So there were just those types of things going on in this game. Um, you know, Baker and Holland and Jones, they were all over the place in this game. Um, you know, the Dolphins had four sacks on Josh Allen. That's no bueno for the Bills' offensive line. You've got to keep him upright. You've got to keep him, keep him safe and protected. Uh, but again, the O-line was dinged into. I thought overall that the defense was outstanding in this football game. I mean, they limited Miami to 21 points. They limited Tyreek Hill to two catches and 33 yards. If you had gone into the game and said, hey, Waddle and Hill are going to have six catches total with 135 yards combined and no touchdowns and not a lot of big plays, um, you know, would you take that? Without Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, without, you know, uh, still without Trey White, right? Without Dane Jackson, and oh, Christian Benford's going to break his friggin' hand in this game too. H- how do you feel about that? You know, you, you had to pull Jamarcus Ingram, off, you know, a, a, a practice squad corner, um, you know, from the scrap heap, and and he went in there and hung in there. You know, uh, Greg Rousseau, another great game, sack and a half, three total tackles, two were solo. Right, Demar Hamlin played pretty well. Matt Milano should have had a pick six. That probably would have won the game. Tremaine Edmonds did his thing, filled in gaps. Jaquan Johnson, I thought, played a good game. Taron Johnson might have been the best defensive player on the field for the Buffalo Bills. So I thought the defense was absolutely fantastic. And as far as the Miami ground game, they did nothing. They had 41 yards of total running off offense, and um, and they really just the Bills defense really took it to Miami. And I thought it was an unfortunate situation for the Bills because. They, you know, ran 90 plays. They had over 40 minutes of possession, which was about double what Miami had. They had way more first downs than Miami. I mean, they dominated them. They dominated them from the box score, from the numbers, A to Z. But it's just how football works. Um, You know, certain breaks didn't go the Bills' way. They did make some crucial mistakes. Miami had big-time plays in big-time spots, one of which was in the fourth quarter, when early in the fourth. You know, Tua Tunga-Viola just guns it down there to, in the middle. How many times can you get beat with, you know, prevent and cover defense if you're the Bills? I mean, how many times are you going to rush three or four guys and have everybody go back and then be like, oh, well, you know, we'll hopefully get some help down the middle of the field if it comes to that. Well, you know what? How'd that work in Kansas City last year? How has it worked a million other times? How has it worked? You know, how did it work in this game? It doesn't work well, okay? That's, that's the answer, okay? It doesn't work well, you know? Rush more than three guys. Get after a little bit. Go with a different defensive approach. Quit this cover two crap and this prevent stuff and go try to make a play. You know, that was the one play that Jalen Waddle really got down the middle that hurt the Bills uh, in this game. I also don't know how Tua Tunga Viola passed concussion protocol. I have no idea. They were trying to say it's a back. Come on, man. He went right down to the ground, smashes his head and he's wobbling all over the place. That's not a back injury. That's a head injury. And the NFL is talking about protecting your head injuries and you know keeping guys safe and this and that. But somehow Tua went right out on the field and uh, you know played. And I, I just I don't know how he cleared that protocol. The Dolphins are being investigated for it. Uh, Ken Dorsey, you heard Ryan Leaf talk about it in in the podcast <laughs> earlier. With, uh, with with him smashing the tablet and going nuts up there when McKenzie didn't get out of bounds. That's just a fiery OC. That's what you want to see, the passion, the love for the game, uh, the, the want to win so bad. I mean, he's the winningest quarterback in college football history. That guy wants to win every single play, every single down, every single game. He wants to win, win, win no matter what. And so uh, you got to love that passion out of that guy. Uh, does he need to be more composed? I mean, look, Sean McDermott said he does. Ken Dorsey admitted he does. But at the end of the day, those things are going to happen once or twice during a regular season. There's just so much riding on all these games, and that's what makes the NFL a beautiful, beautiful thing. So huge thanks to Mike Catalana. Huge thanks to Ryan Lee for joining me. This is the Pandemonium Podcast on the Built-In Buffalo Podcast Network. Make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review where you get podcasts on your smartphone device. Go subscribe to the Built-In Buffalo YouTube page. Get us all over on all the other social media platforms. We're going up and up and up and up every day. Seven days of content, articles, video, audio, you name it. The Built-In Buffalo Podcast Network. This is the Pandemonium Podcast, and I'm your host, Mike Lindsley, and you can get me as well 
at Mike L Sports. Thanks for listening. Let's see what they do against the Ravens this week. It's going to be a very difficult game, obviously a road game. Uh, Lamar Jackson playing at MVP level, but the defense can be had. Baltimore is, is pretty weak, uh, you know, more than normal, um, and the Bills uh, will see what the health report looks like. I mean, I would say that my pick on, you know, for this game goes basically right to the injury report. Who is available and how much does number 17 have to do on the road? against another pretty darn good football team. Thanks again for listening. As I always tell you, enjoy the games. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 